0: Please listen carefully.
1: No, I did it. I didn't. I didn't wax it. Shaved it. Saw it on TikTok. Someone, you, like, hold your one cheek out, and then you use you your other arm. Just because my bathing suit falls into my crack, so I got to make sure it's good.
0: What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. Uh, This week's episode is all about revenge, and I'm so pleased. Uh, I'm also very pleased to have an episode um, that is not like an incredibly inappropriate theme, because I started a new job (laughs) this week. And they were like, what's a fun fact about yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. I sat in a corner eating saltines my entire life. Uh, But I guess, hey, like I'm on a podcast that I host. And I said the name of it, Not Thinking. And then someone was like, drop the link in in the general channel of this company with 400 employees. And then I realized our most recent episode was the sex scenes one. And that before the sex scenes one, our most popular episode was Shadow and Boners. And I was like, I can't link anyone to this. (laughs) <laughs> like it couldn't have been when we did the like very deep mm. dive into like problematic shit or we did like <laughs> witches or even when no obviously the, not the silencing of the shrew no no it had to be when we talked about sex scenes for an hour and 10 minutes and going through all that our theme is revenge and we were going to very quickly talk about oh, what shit. before we get into our uh revenge picks for the episode what are some of your favorite like real life Petty revenges, like nothing big, nothing important, but just petty shit. Nat, Nat, Nat has hers locked Nat in. has so one. Yeah, hers. I see it in her eyes. All right,
2: all right. I have been through many a fight.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> course, you.
2: I know, I know, and like, of course, I have like my petty revenges against like you know, like my sister or something. There's been some fun ones, but I think my favorite one is when I had one of my first friend breakups in my adulthood (laughs) and the last thing I sent to this man via like Facebook (laughs) message was you're never gonna find happiness ever (laughs) and I kid you not I like a year later was like just checking up just to see like where he's at in life and he had started this journey to do like the happiness project (laughs) I literally spit on my coffee. I need to go get a napkin to wipe it off. And I continually, like, followed followed this, like, happiness. He, like, made, like, a whole site, a whole site to, like, try to find happiness. And I was like, this man's never going to find it. <laughs>
0: He's stuck on it forever. Oh, my God. Matt. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but that wasn't
1: it. <laughs> That's a dark thing to throw out in it. A- the final message, friend. Yes,
0: <laughs> but I respect the energy behind it. I love yeah. the like, you know what? No, if we're not friends anymore, I'm gonna tell you everything I've been thinking about you. <laughs> but in like the way that it culminates too is that you are just not a happy person, and you won't ever be. Wow, that is yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think it like specifically was about relationships and like how he responds to friends specifically. But I was just like, you're never gonna find happiness. <laughs> like, Bye. And I was like, I'm done here. (laughs) Oh,
0: Steph, can you top that? I don't
2: think I can.
1: I mean, it's just like the satisfaction of like, you know, a girl who's dating some guy four or five years younger than her. And then she dumps all her friends for this guy. And then they break up like that, like kind of stupid bullshit like that. But that's basically it. I don't have anything good.
0: I now am, like, sad I didn't have a personal one. Like, I know that I do, but I had a specific thing I want to talk about, which is why I brought up the question. Um, this is not uh, anything like a personal thing. This is my favorite building in the entire history of the entire world is the Chrysler <laughs> Building. And whenever I say that, people are like, why, why, would, why would that be a thing? Whose favorite building is the Chrysler Building? And listen, it's in New York. Love it as a city. It is, I genuinely believe it's gorgeous. Love the Chrysler building. So good looking, but it has a tale of pettiness built into it. And it's my favorite thing in the world. So there was a architecture team of two dudes. Hello, episode listeners. This is Ed and Christina. Just a quick break in the episode to let you know that you're about to hear me say architecture a lot when the word I was looking for was architect. Uh, I just wanted to jump in and assure you, I too hate myself. I do know what words mean sometimes, but I clearly did not on this day. Uh, But enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks so much. One who was like very, very design focused and one who was like a great business dude and they were partners for years, but eventually they had like a little feud between them Where like one felt that one was the like business guy thought the architecture was taking all the credit, and the guy that was like super creative was like you keep bringing me down. I want to unleash my modernity. Let me let me be free. So eventually, after years of working together successfully, their partnership breaks up, and the creative one goes on to design what will become the Chrysler Building. And at this point in time, the Chrysler building is going to be 66 floors and like an insane amount of height. And it is unofficially probably going to be the tallest building in the world. As they're laying ground for the Chrysler building, the other architecture gets signed on to do a job to build 40 Wall Street. And as they're building 40 Wall Street, initially it's supposed to be like 45 floors. And he's like, no, we need to make it 60. But it's still shorter than the Chrysler building. So time goes on. They're like, no, we need to make it 66, like just a little bit above what the Chrysler building is going to be. And they get the plans approved. And then like the Empire State Building enters the chat. And there's like a competition (laughs) in New York for what is going to be the world's tallest building. And they all keep slowly upping their plans for how long they're going to build it. And basically what ends up happening is the Chrysler building with the very like creativity minded uh, architecture just kind of gets delayed over and over again. Like it keeps getting delayed. It's a very complicated building. It's very gorgeous. And as time goes on, it keeps getting delayed and eventually the other buildings are ready to go up. So I think it, I can't remember the exact order, but like the Empire State Building goes up and it is again like 66 floors. A week later, 40 Wall Street goes up, and it's 67 floors. And then they... So now, the guy, the the architecture who builds 45 Wall Street is like, I am the tallest building in the motherfucking world, because he knows the Chrysler building is almost complete, and there's no time. It can't get any bigger. It can't be bigger. And then on the goddamn day that the Chrysler building is open, literally they erect a spire that he had a group of people building inside of the very top of the building. And they have it push up through underneath the building, making the building something like, like something that's like 20 feet taller than 40 Wall Street. After the building is already complete and cannot get any taller. And so the Chrysler building becomes the tallest building in the world. All because of this one man's act of revenge. In the them trying to compete for world's tallest building. He's like, guess what? Fuck you. I'm going to build it in secret. And I'm going to purposely delay my project. So that you guys have to release your building at its current heights. And then I will usurp you all. He's just a smarter man. Yeah. Genuinely the best thing i've ever heard in my life i do think eventually someone was like uh oh we added an observation deck to the empire state building and that became the tallest building in the world like it just kept bouncing back and forth but the history of the chrysler building and that man's like i will not let my old architecture friend take this from me how dare this motherfucker Uh build his building exclusively to spite me i'll spite him back and i just love it it's a beautiful (sighs)
2: story
0: a beautiful story I aspire to one day do something as brilliant as have a, a statue to Ooh. pettiness built for me, essentially. Aspire, yes, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's talk about our media versions of our favorite revenges. Uh, Steph, you go first. What's your favorite fictional revenge?
1: Um, I've been on a journey this week. <laughs> I finished five seasons of this show in six days which is unheard of for me um and the show is Peaky Blinders for anyone I'm sure <laughs> I've talked about it to many people at this point But I just want to say the reason why I started the show is all because of a gif someone posted on Twitter about like a couple <laughs> we can we can guess who the couple is it's Lizzie and Tom <laughs> and I had I had no like no context of what was going on I had no idea So I was watching the first season and I had tried this show many, many times before, but I could never, I could never understand what they're saying. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like subtitles, so I'm not going to watch it. But then we, as we know, I discovered K-dramas and then I'm like, subtitles for sure. All the time, every time. Uh, So I tried it again this week and I was like, oh, season one, I was like, "Eh, it's okay. But then I realized who was in that GIF wasn't the main lead (laughs) from season one. It was the sex worker (laughs) <laughs> on the fucking show and i was like holy shit i need to watch this and then i have to wait five seasons the payout for that was so long and i'm pissed about it wasn't even i wanted more obviously um but the reason why i'm picking this for revenge like you're just talking about the romance part of it which i am which is what drew me in which is what i'm like obsessed with but every season uh we'll, we'll have to explain <laughs> how do you even explain uh so we have our main cute man uh Killian Murphy whose name is Thomas Shelby and they him and his family the Shelbys are kind of like the gangsters in Birmingham uh they come back from the war they're all dealing with like some PTSD uh meanwhile while they were away they were running the women in the family so Polly was running um a bookkeeping which is like gambling section of the business so they're coming back and then it's like how do I expand my empire basically so Thomas Shelby is the the main man the smart the brains of the organization, they'll say. But then he has his like brothers doing the petty shit of like making, beating people up, all that jazz. But it, I I can't even remember what the main season one drama is because it's all a blur in my head. But basically, every season you they get betrayed, something happens to them. But at the end of the season, they the payoff of when they show those motherfuckers who's number one is excellent, <laughs> and it happens every season. Minus the last one because you we, it's a long con for the for the last season. But every time you have the Italian mob storyline, you have the this disgusting policeman something Campbell. He, like so, you have a villain introduced every season. Adrian Brody was the Italian guy, professor. Okay. and also betrayal of his romantic lead. Does he get revenge on her? you could see it that way <laughs> cuz she she did fuck him over but basically i'm obsessed with the show don't know why i love i love the satisfaction of these criminals these like gray character villains coming through and being number one in the end and that's what you want in a revenge story i want to be <laughs> fist pumping be like yeah kill them all and <laughs> the in the latest villain is Finnick from Hunger Games, and he is a piece of shit. <laughs> so, like, we got a lot to look forward to on season six that's coming up. And I know Nat hasn't watched this because she's not into the time period, which disagree. I think it's actually quite interesting.
0: <laughs> I really like Piggy Blinders. I think it's really good. I think if Nat watched it, she would like it, personally, because I feel like the time period outside of the rum running business is not like a key. Like, the time period, let's be real, is just, like, an aesthetic. It's not, like, a key part of where, what, like, they're really doing. I mean, it gives mean, them
2: ability. Is, this is what I need to know. Is it mostly white nonsense, or is there something um, more to
0: it? I mean, it's white nonsense in that they are all white, because, like, that is a thing. But I would not describe it inherently as white nonsense. There is a little bit of, they don't go into this far enough, but what I really appreciate, so Polly's side of the family is Romani. And so they're yeah, all, they like, they call themselves gypsies, basically, um, as how, how they refer to themselves then. And they go into a little bit, like, what that culture means and, like, what's specific for Polly as having been someone that really grew up in Romani culture, but then in order to be the sh- part of the Shelby gang, had to, like, give all of that up. And then, like, how she feels about her children and her grandchildren, like, wanting them to be connected with it, but not really. It's a very, very small part of the show, but it's interesting. And it's a the shame like, that it's mystical, not like exploding.
1: The whole mysticism side of that gypsy culture, as they say, gets bigger and bigger, I feel, as it went along. And like it, it, that It did
0: becomes part. more important yeah. as the seasons go on.
1: And like white nonsense. I don't know. It's like the industrial revolution's coming up, so like how can they make money? So they the whole the whole empire of this Thomas Shelby Empire we'll say is based on getting more money. So becoming so they started out with an illegitimate business and then they've now moved towards being legitimate. That's quite nonsense. I mean,
2: I'm I'm not like... We'll see. I'll see if I want to. I just know
0: it's probably not good. Like, it just makes me... (laughs) I suspect you would end up enjoying it if you watched it. But here's the thing. There's so many TV shows. To miss this one is not a huge deal. But Killian Murphy is very, very attractive.
2: I agree with that. You know what's so confusing to me? Have you guys watched Red Eye with Killian Murphy? No. Is that the he, movie that takes place on the plane? It's on the plane and he plays yeah. like a creepy stalker killer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The sexual tension is unreal in that movie. Like why would I be attracted to this serial killer and then Killian Murphy comes in and you're like, "Oh, okay."
0: Yeah, he brings it. I still remember cuz he's the scarecrow in the Batman Beyond yeah. series and like I remember being in the theaters in like the third movie where you wouldn't expect him to be in it for whatever reason. And he shows up for like five seconds, like as a judge for criminals or something like that, like judging petty feuds. And the whole audience screen cheered. <laughs> and I was right there along with them. I was like, Killian, yes, good job.
2: Why does this man not have more roles? I
0: actually have a very good
1: doing Peaky Blinders for six months of the year. That's why.
0: It is big for her, but I feel like he had time to do other things. I also, you know how there's like a subset of like not attractive British men that the whole world seems to think are attractive? He's in the line. Killian Murphy could replace all of them and be actually attractive. So, like, why are you casting Bennett Cumberbatch in anything? Because <laughs> if you just needed a long faced blue eyed brunette, you could hire Killian Murphy and not an alien. That's fair.
1: But like, <laughs> Killian Murphy. Could be evil, could be good. That's that's why this role perfect for him. We yeah. don't know. He does bad things, but people also love him. He gets literally every girl he could possibly want. Which, and then I've realized, and now I realize why I stopped watching shows because you introduce a lead, like a female relationship lead in every season, and like I, sometimes I don't care about them, and I think that is why I'm like I don't like TV. That's why I stopped doing. But but as we know, that long con from season one to season five that finally paid out. Oof, Wow, what a journey I was on <laughs> <Literally> <laughs> for that one storyline, and I kept waiting. And like, she's not; she's literally not even listed in for three seasons, and like yeah. only the last one she's a, a recurring character. And I'm like, what's happening to me? Oh, uh, yeah. But this it's, man, stylish, emotional. There's the the scene. Is it season one or season two? there's a girl oh season two there's a girl and he's like looking up into the sky with his blue blue eyes and you're like this is it for him but no the revenge plays out better (sighs) what a guy what a gem
0: oh Steph uh beautiful I think this is a great pick uh Nat what is your revenge pick well, you guys know,
2: I only watch revenge stories, apparently, or read them. So my picks were like in in the 20s, per, perhaps the 100s. And I was like, I could do any of these. I could do like John Wick, but I was like, no, that'll come up later. We'll definitely do that later. <laughs> I feel like um, this is
0: like with Buffy, though, where you still technically haven't picked it. <laughs> Because you keep waiting for the perfect time for it to come up.
2: I know. There's I don't know why. Time. You know when you just, like, you want to save it for a real good episode? Not that this is a like, good oh, episode. And you're like, oh, this episode will be shit. <laughs> no, I love revenge. <laughs> but I decided to go with, like, a cult classic that I watched as a kid, which I think I was too young to watch, for sure. Um, and it's called The Crow, famously probably known for the main actor Brandon Lee son of Bruce Lee who died during the filming of the movie the main actor did? yeah the main actor died because of a faulty uh, blank gunshot so technically the actor like the enemy or not the the villain actor or whatever killed him (laughs) technically yeah how have I never
1: heard this story or this movie or this person wow (laughs) (laughs) Never <laughs> first of, of
2: all offended okay okay let's 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 help you get into it i'm 94 right this, this film first of all is i i think even like official reviewers called it a fever dream of a film because that's exactly what it is you start watching and you're like okay i don't understand but basically the story is about brandon lee's character eric or whatever he's a rock band person dressed in only what I could probably describe as like Leather Daddy meets Juggalo, (laughs) because like the face paint is there throughout the whole movie and you're like, we have questions about this that we'll never get answers to (laughs) but we'll let it go Um, at the beginning of the movie, basically he and his fiance I think, not wife, I think it's his fiance or whatever, get um, I don't know that it's a mugging, I can't like fully remember, but they get attacked, basically, and so his Fiance gets raped and killed and then he gets stabbed and as he's like lying like basically bleeding out in this alley like very like Batman Batman's parent styles he like in his mind is like swearing revenge and you're like okay I don't know what's gonna happen here you're dying buddy dies cut to a year later <laughs> it's called I think it's called Devil's Night or devil's whatever i don't know like the day before halloween or something whatever that night is (laughs) basically devil devil's night yeah devil's night comes around there's a crow on his gravestone crow taps this is not a joke guys this is a real thing that happens in this movie the crow taps on his gravestone and he rises from the dead to get his vengeance as his his name in in the movie is the crow obviously so the first thing he does is he goes um and he goes to like one of the people that attacked him and like basically kills this man and steals his like leather long trench coat <laughs> and that of course establishes the film's cover where he's wearing that long trench coat and you're like okay this is very 90s those but are his wings. Just, yeah those are his, his leather wings <laughs> flowing in the wind. This movie is insane. Like, I I don't even know that I can just... It's just like a... You know how, like, in the 90s, every movie, every action movie had, like, cheesy lines that went with every... Thing that you did, like, there'd be a cheesy line as soon as you like beat down a criminal or whatever. This movie was just that <laughs> it was just like him getting revenge on that group of people that attacked him and his fiance and him saying cheesy lines at everybody. Like, when he shows up at like the shop where he gets his like coat or whatever, he's knocking on the door, and his, his line is, Didn't you hear me tapping? <laughs> as in like the raven from Edgar Allan Poe, and you're like, Oh, that is awful and perfect. <laughs> and like it's just like lines like that and so he's getting revenge on all of the like this gang that like killed his wife and him uh, throughout the whole movie and that's basically the whole revenge this is like a year later he takes revenge and then he returns to the grave and that is it but like the last like what's so crazy about this movie is like it probably would not have been a hit unless i like i hesitate to say it unless he had died (laughs) Like I feel like this probably would have just like gone under the radar. I don't even think they spent much budget on this movie, and it ended up being like a sleeper hit in the box office. Like it made like eleven million dollars apparently or whatever. Like at, and it was like worldwide people were watching this movie. So I'm surprised you haven't heard of it, Steph. <laughs> very disappointed. You should
0: watch. This is the it. first time
1: I've heard it. The first time I'm... I've seen a picture of it.
0: <laughs> this it's man's very, makeup.
1: It's...
0: <laughs> This I'm not particularly one. surprised Steph hasn't heard it. Because I just feel like this isn't in Steph's circles. In her circles. <laughs> I was like... How old was I when I watched it? I was like eight? Yeah, so we were I was
2: five? Two. I don't I
1: know. My four. That. Two years old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, it was just... What a wild movie. I, <laughs> I think, like... I haven't watched it recently, which is, like, probably a good thing, <laughs> but I <laughs> w- I kind of do want to rewatch it and see if it still holds up because it's still regarded as, like, I think I read somewhere it was still, like, the top 100 movies or something, which I thought was kind of crazy. Oh, no, to- okay. top, top 500 greatest movies of all time.
1: But tell me how you kill the lead in your film with a fake gun. Like, how is that even possible?
2: This is what's crazy to me. Like they already had shot like the shooting scene. So like in, in one of like the main like ending parts where he kills like the villain that actually was responsible for their deaths, um, which is played by, by the way, have you guys seen um, my other favorite movie, the Robin hood with (laughs) Kevin, Kevin Costner. (laughs) So, you know, his cousin, the one he's like, I will cut your heart out with a spoon. (laughs) yes yeah his main cousin is the villain like the main villain in this movie by the way this is the connection i have like this is why (laughs) so that's the guy that shot him but they had already filmed the scene where he had shot brandon lee and brandon lee is like you can't kill me i'm already dead (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like comes back and is like whatever, but they decided that they wanted a close up of the shot. Oh God! So, yeah, so they did several shots where they just keep shooting dummy rounds at Brendan Lee, and at some point, I guess like the night before, somebody had switched out the rounds and forgot to switch them back. So like, but why it would was you like, ever have a real bullet? On I don't. Set? I think I think there was like I, there's nothing in them, but they had put like gunpowder or something somewhere around it to like create the effect i guess like i don't know but somebody like didn't switch something out i don't know that they ever well, blamed anybody for this because i don't know that there is anybody to blame like it wasn't on purpose but it was like they shot him was it a was,
1: revenge or was it a revenge for him someone this was a murder sabotage this is what i'm saying do we, do we know like we don't know
0: well, maybe there's like a secret underlying plot here
2: Oh, so someone like went movie, in. The movie about
0: revenge, but somebody also took revenge. Yeah. Speaking of like wild things like this, there was another movie that was, I think, in the time of like uh hidden dragon crouching tiger, tiger like birth of like. Kung Fu movies being super popular where they were making a sequel to one of these movies. And I can't remember who the main actor was, but he had filmed like 80% of the movie and then he died. And I don't think it was onset. I think he just like died naturally um, or died in some kind of accident offset. Um, And they were like, well shit, how are we going to keep going with this movie? And what they decided to do was get his like stunt double or his brother to be in like disguises for the scenes they hadn't yet filmed and do that. But they kept, like, they wrote in a scene where he fakes his own death in order to get his revenge on somebody. And they used scenes of the actual guy in his real (gasps) coffin, his real-life funeral. Oh, my God. And they put that in the movie. So you could just be watching this movie, and then all of a sudden an actual dead man is just on screen. Yeah I actually also like for The Crow
2: I think they debated whether or not they were gonna just like cancel the movie altogether and like kill it but like they were done like the movie like they were like the only thing that they had left to film were like maybe like three days worth of scenes with Brandon Lee and so they just replaced some other luckily Brandon Lee the whole movie was wearing his freaking juggalo makeup so like they were able to put just another random actor in the makeup and be like it's him. (laughs) <laughs> and they were like it's done but like i don't know if they even used the close-up scene like i actually can't even recall whether they used the scene where he actually gets shot Could really.
1: you imagine? probably not they were like that was a bad idea
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> regrets with that one but it's also like really sad because brandon Lee's father also died when he was very young so like they both died very very i don't even know i think bruce lee might have died while he was filming too Jeez, did he maybe let me look it up <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee died from edema.
0: Yeah, Corner stated he had a severe allergic reaction to a tranquilizer in oh. something, causing mm-hmm. his brain as well. His death was ruled by death by misadventure. <laughs> Sorry, who? But it was during filming.
2: Bruce Lee, right?
0: Yeah, both of yeah, them yeah. died during filming. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think that's what, because I remember at the time when it was in the news, they were like, oh, like, this family just has, like, a really, like, they're really unlucky or whatever, from what I remember. And then that's why they debated cancelling, because they were like, did, are we all
0: cursed? (laughs) But now I'm wondering, was this, like, is this the one where they used scenes from his actual death in the movie? (laughs) Because what are the chances that this would happen this many times? (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, it might be. I am pretty sure. I feel like they probably did. I also think that the actor that did the
0: shooting, like, was given
2: the prop gun. I think he stopped acting after this, I want to say. Yeah,
0: I feel like, you know, you probably have a little (laughs) bit of, like, some traumatic. Oh my God. Yeah. The story I was telling was about Bruce Lee. Oh my God. (laughs) Bruce Lee or Brandon Lee? I was talking sort of about Bruce Lee, where they use scenes okay, okay. from his actual oh, funeral okay. and his real dead body in his final movie. And then, in Salt Injury, his son dies from a prop gun filled with gunpowder.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? See, this is what I'm saying. Insane
0: story. Insane story.
2: That's rough. But also a revenge story.
0: And, okay, this would be a perfect movie if Brendan Lee also had a kid. And then like it would be the perfect like trilogy ending if his like he had a daughter and the daughter came back and like enacted revenge on like the director of the movie or like the production house, something like that. That'd be amazing. But hopefully didn't die as well. <laughs> no, no no because it's the it's the final of the trilogy. Back. So she gets to live. Of
2: course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the final girl. <laughs> Do you find revenge
1: satisfying if the person who's doing the revenge lives or dies at the end?
0: It depends on if they were successful. Yeah, they like were, they were successful.
1: successful. They were successful. They yeah, I tell, you what,
0: I, tell you what, when I tell you what when I tell you about mine, you're gonna see how I feel about this.
1: Okay,
2: <laughs> all right. This is a perfect. Are we segueing
0: in? Yeah, we're segueing in. Let's do it. Tell us about how yours. Was a- Perfect question for that, by the way. Also, Mm -hmm. I highly debated picking Spartacus for this, just because how funny would it be (laughs) if I picked it for a third episode? Because Spartacus only happens because this man is trying to get revenge on the people who captured and enslaved his wife. So perfect revenge story. But I wanted to pick something else because I have talked about it a lot. And because Wendy can't listen to the episodes when I talk about Spartacus because she's still watching them. So that was really the decision that I made. I decided, and I still can't believe I've chosen this, but I really <laughs> want to tell the story of what I think is like the one of the funniest goddamn scenes I've ever seen in my entire life that is not meant to be funny, but that had me on the goddamn floor because the power move is amazing. So this is a scene from Oz, the 1997 HBO show about a bunch of dudes in a prison. Uh, And I will spoil it because it came out in 97. So I won't be hearing anything about this. Um, There is... The core of Oz is exactly what it sounds like. It's filmed in a maximum security prison. And it's this like fictional story of all the different like gangs in the prison. All the different people that work there. And a lot of the like prisoners. Whether you feel they deserve to be there or not. And one of the main characters. Very much the like audience insert. Who's supposed to be kind of seen as the everyday man is Tobias Beecher. Tobias Beecher was like a lawyer. He had a like Harvard degree, but he was an alcoholic. And he runs over and kills like a small child while he was drinking while driving one day. Ends up in this maximum security prison, completely out of his depth. Very timid, very meek. Um, And season one is all about him realizing like, him just, like, getting stuck in this victimhood where the Aryan gang takes him in to be their prison bitch, essentially. And so he gets an arch nemesis in J.K. Simmons, who plays the leader of the Aryan the Aryan Brotherhood, so like, a full-on Nazi, who, like, convinces Beecher to room with him so that he can assault him basically every night and brand him on the ass with a pen, a lighter and like gives him like a swastika brand. It is wild. This is episode one, my friends, wild things happen. And then you go through the first season, which is just Beecher being like stuck in this thing, not really sure how to get out. And then eventually he enacts his revenge on uh, JK Simmons uh, and shows that like, he is not just like a weak person like he will fight you and he will win so he gets the respect of a couple of people in season two because there's six seasons of this and the scene that i'm talking about it's a builds okay it's it all comes down to that um it's a (laughs) long con of revenge oh man it's not you'll see jk simmons hires a fucking like psychopath played by your fave nat okay christopher maloney Elliot Stabler plays Chris Keller. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who ends up in prison and is genuinely the craziest psychopath in the world. He like, they know it. They're like, he gets genuine joy out of seeing people in pain. He's absolutely insane. And J.K. Simmons pays Keller to befriend Beecher to eventually then betray him. But then Beecher and Keller fall in love While Keller is doing all of this and Keller is like genuinely in love with him, but he still betrays him and he gets joy out of the betrayal where literally Beecher, they like the Aryan gang find him alone. They break his arms and his legs. Like they fuck him up. And Keller is like, this is enjoyable to watch because I'm a psychopath, but he feels like a brief moment of regret because he thinks that he has genuine feelings for Keller. And that's the end of like season two. And then season three comes into play and Keller feels bad and wants to make it up to Beecher. And Beecher is like, what the fuck? You got me almost killed by these dudes. And so Keller, to sh- prove that he like loves Beecher or something, then starts his like own beef with the Aryan gang and he betrays them. And he like kills the guard that helped beat up Beecher to try to prove that he loves him. There's just so much shit goes down and it just keeps playing off that. Like Keller apologizes. Eventually, for some reason, Beecher low-key forgives him and they like start a relationship again and then Beecher almost gets paroled, but the Nazi guy keeps him from being paroled. So then they try to get against the Nazi guy and then the Nazi guy steals Beecher's kid and then the kid, like his kid gets murdered because of that. But then J.K. Simmons blames it on Keller. So now Beecher thinks that Keller killed his kid. Like his kid outside of jail? Yeah, like he says okay. that like Keller <laughs> hired someone outside of jail to murder his child. So it just, it keeps going back and forth. Eventually, Keller, uh, Beecher gets paroled. So he is free and he is working with like a law firm and he's not actively with Keller but he has a very strong like emotional connection with him so he continues to visit him in prison and Keller is like I am genuinely literally in love with you but Beecher is now dating this like female lawyer that he works with and is trying to like pull back but he can't fully and so Keller convinces him that he needs illegal drugs to save his dying ex-wife And Beecher, will you please go get these illegal drugs? And Beecher's like, I'm on parole. I can't do this. He's like, my ex-wife, the only one that I like, who I married like four times, is dying. She needs these drugs. And so Beecher eventually says, okay, for you, I'll go do it. And then literally the second- Mistakes! Because the second that Beecher agrees to do this, Keller from prison calls in a tip- that Beecher is going to be there picking up these illegal drugs and then Beecher ends up back in prison for them of to be course. together. And then they are together, but there's like a mistrust where Beecher's is like, wait, but are you the one? Like, are you the reason that I got put back in prison? Like what's happening here? And then he says, no, he isn't. But then eventually he admits that he was. And it just keeps going back and forth and it all culminates in my favorite scene of anything ever. They are both in prison once again. And Keller has now admitted he is the reason that Beecher is back in prison and they are having this like argument throughout the prison and they walk up the steps going towards like the rooms and they're standing in front of a room and they're going back and forth and Keller's like, yeah, but now that you're here, you know, we can be together. And Keller's and Beecher says, like, listen, no, like, this is clearly bad for me. I want to get out of prison. And at this point, Keller is going to be in prison for life because he's he was like convicted of murdering like six people Um, and he will be in prison forever. Like he is not going to get out. So Beecher's like, I we're not in a relationship. I, I won't be doing this. And in genuinely genuinely the greatest move ever pulled in a heat of the moment decision of revenge Keller kisses Beecher tells him he loves him and then very loudly screams Beecher no and flings himself off of the staircase so that he lands on the ground floor and dies. And because he screamed Beecher no, everyone thinks that Beecher in fact pushed him off of the staircase. And so now Beecher is going to stay in prison, likely for first degree murder and possibly end up getting the death penalty. Because Keller said, if I can't have you, I will fucking die and take you with me. This is the most Christopher Maloney move I've ever heard of. <laughs> It is wild. And then you find out in the very end too, like in an attempt to like make something up to Beecher, he had a plan to kill literally all of the Nazis. And it's that he got someone on the outside to mail them like an airborne, like arsenic or something like poison. that. Yeah. Poison. And it kills literally all of them. And then in the final moment, Beacher, who is going to be in prison probably for the rest of his life, is being evacuated from the prison because they're like, we have to quarantine everyone. We have to figure out what's going on. Is smiling because he knows that Keller is the one that did this to him and did this for him, even though Keller's also the one is why he's going to be in prison forever. What the fuck, guys? guys <laughs> tangled web. I have never in my life, mm-hmm. I the way I laughed. The way I laughed when he screamed Beach or No. Like, it's not funny, but yes, it is. Yes, it is funny. I, what a move. What a power play. He's like, I'd rather die. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, so back to your question, Steph. I think that the person looking for revenge dying can absolutely be satisfying if it leads to them getting what they were going for. Because I find that an absolutely hilariously satisfying ending. Way better than just, like, Beecher not being in prison. You know what this
2: makes me think of? It makes me think of, like, you remember, um, like, speaking of, like, dying to get your revenge in Sadie? Yeah. She definitely dies. But also, yeah, like... Like... She probably got her revenge, right? Like, he died.
0: Oh, yeah. I have to believe that they both died.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm satisfied with that ending more than anything else. I'm, like, intrigued now by this, like,
1: romantic revenge plot (laughs) that I feel like doesn't happen very often. Forgiveness is, like, for example, Peaky Blinders, season one. Grace betrays him. Gives him... Up to the police, basically. I can't even remember what happens. But he takes her back and it's like nothing ever happened. She literally marries someone else and they plot, they form a plot to kill her for her husband because she marries when she left him. And I'm like, what? Why isn't this? But like, I don't like Grace. Why is that? (laughs) Why don't I like? Because she she betrayed him. (laughs) And And also
0: prefer Lizzie. Great. Here's the thing. Grace in Peaky Blinders is like a good person character when everyone else is a criminal. And so she's not as interesting as everyone else.
1: She wants him to change, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, she's like, no, you're going to be an aristocrat now. But Lizzie's like, you know where I came from. We're let's let's fucking burn the world together. But yeah, why isn't romantic revenge? I don't see that very often.
0: I need more of that. I love it. Like, here's the thing. If you're going to write a toxic relationship, don't try to convince me that it's not. Embrace it. Lean into it. Let me see two people who absolutely are ruining each other's lives. And
1: then you get the angst that people love. Like, I love a good angsty story, but like, oof. When they're entangled in that way, and I'm trying to think of other stuff like this, but I can't.
0: I, when I, I have a friend who, I think we watched this together. And I can't remember if we watched the last, like the last, this is the very last episode of the entire show. Like, this is the build up. (laughs) It takes them so long That's to get satisfying. to this like magical payoff and we either watched the last episode together or we were like texting each other we watched it and when I told you I screamed in her face. I was like <laughs> beecher. Sure like when I tell her now that like she's my friend and I love her I tell her beecher sure now. Because what an <laughs> act of love that was. <laughs> was it love? It was it was in the way that a psychopath loves. It's like selfish it has- love. <laughs> oh yeah. Here's the thing for, him, for Christopher nothing. Maloney, that was love. It was a very specific kind of love. It was Beecher No. And oof, what a magical, what a. You no. Know,
2: <laughs> hearing about this being his role in like the 90s or
0: whatever explains a lot about Christopher yeah. Maloney in his <laughs> future oh, yeah. roles. Chris Keller is like the in between of who he was in Happy and who he was in SVU. Yeah. With like all the craziness and Rage of Happy, but, like, a little bit more of the intensity from Elliot Stabler.
2: Also, Stabler was also full of rage, so...
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, all that cop rage? I tell you, I... I don't know that you could go back and watch Oz. I just, like, it's so... This show is so problematic and like obviously it's problematic in the sense of like it's in a prison, like it's going to be, like it's very much about like harsh realities of what that entails, but there's an element where, I'm not going to lie, sometimes really, really bad things happen and I just laugh because what, saying, what the fuck about is that. going on?
1: <laughs> like the person who's doing revenge, in order to get their revenge, they got to do a lot of shady shit and like you as the viewer, you're like, I don't care if their <laughs> end goal is what i want it to be then i don't give a shit and like how like that kind of forgiveness <gasps>
2: is wild oh this totally reminds me of we should have picked sweet vicious oh damn that's it. a good one <laughs> uh because that about is about that so before, much shady though. shit <laughs> what's like yeah we so- yeah.
1: Cillian. Killian, what's Thomas Shelby? See, we're just going back to this. Does a lot of shady shit, but do I
0: care? (laughs) No. I do not care one bit. (laughs) I think the Shelbys also benefit from, like, the heist vibe. Like, it very much, they they pull off multiple heists throughout the course of the entire show. So, like, you very much are in support of them. Also, like, as we know, all cops are bastards. And, like, all cops are absolutely bastards in this fucking show. So you do not care how many people get murdered. And you know what we didn't talk about Puky blinders. People should know Tom Hardy and his lips just oh pop up God. randomly. Yes, and every time they do, it's absolutely hilarious.
1: He's like, I can barely understand what he's saying. I need subtitles specifically for his fucking scenes. And I'm like, <laughs> he, he's unhinged. And like, but, they <laughs> cross each other multiple times. Like the them the, they're like buds at this point. They're bros, and like they double cross each other, but they're still friends in the end. And like, I appreciate that. I, I, I love that. Too. Yeah, like been like i guess the other point of this is like i've said this many times when we talked about romance books and like why do why are people into like athletes it's competence porn i want someone who knows what they're fucking doing they're so smart that they planned out every fucking possibility i.e this what's what was his name the the keller the, keller the con and thomas shelby over here
0: here's what i like to say about keller i personally don't believe keller planned out a single thing i think in that one moment keller was like he oh, is. you're gonna turn me down? What can I do? And he goes, I don't need to live. Beach that's or smart. no, <laughs> that's so smart. Fun. I recommend it, if nothing else, go and watch the Beach or No scene. It's absolutely on YouTube, and I'm pretty positive it's called Beach or No.
1: <laughs> if you don't want to, if you don't want to watch five seasons to figure out the romantic relationship, you know yeah,
2: what? Like as you're saying it, it's I feel like I have seen this scene. Like, as you're saying it, I feel like something happened. Somebody probably sent it to me
0: and I was like, what the fuck is happening? It's iconic. Oz is still considered one of the best shows ever made. I would argue if that's the case, but like, it was the thing that launched the way that TV exists now, for sure. HBO doesn't exist without Oz. So like, this show is like, and a lot of scenes from it are considered iconic, no matter how fucked up and wild they absolutely are. Like there's some stuff I won't talk about on this just because it's actually pretty triggering. Um, but at the same time, again, I don't know what to tell you. I laugh. I laugh because how do you end up in this situation twice? You know what I mean? Like how do you go back to Keller 900 times? And then if the ultimate act of love and revenge he kills himself to blame it on you. It's beautiful. Oh,
1: Immediately literally.
0: after murdering like nine Nazis.
1: <laughs> oh man. Specifically, <sighs> we I need a show to watch. Is, <laughs> I need a this new is the show. thing.
2: Revenge is the real love story.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. Isn't that true though? Like you think whatever romance is between you, but no, it's the villain and the uh, protagonist, that is... If you don't have a good relationship yeah. with that, it doesn't
0: even matter. Vicious! Think was- about Vicious! It's revenge, exactly. but it's exactly. a love story. I was going to say, was it V.E. Schwab that said, said that, yeah. any good hero-villain story is actually a love story? Yeah. And agree. Yep. Yeah. I <sighs> certainly do. Alright, that's it for us today. Those are our tales of revenge. Uh, as always, you can let us know what you thought of this episode. If you have any favorite revenge stories, whether fictional or real life petty revenge stories, you can let us know on Twitter and Instagram at SeatsCast. Uh don't forget to rate and subscribe if you like the podcast. Um and I think that covers everything for today. Oh also Pinterest, just for Steph, you can follow us on Pinterest at Everyone and Their Sister Pod and you can leave us a voice message on Anchor. So any voice messages that we get, uh we'll dedicate a little bit of time in the next episode to listening to them and just like providing our feedback. Uh, so, thanks so much for listening. Bye. 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 Okay, I'm going to yeah. stop recording now. I'm sure we got something in there. But, yes, unsurprisingly, Steph, you've ruined us once again. <laughs>